Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is um, Don't Miss This Lesson. Three <laughs> for week three. We're going to be covering Matthew two and Luke two. And I'm David Butler. And I'm this Emily is... Freeman. So welcome. All right, we're going to start by talking about um, what we're just coming off of Christmas. So you know already that um, the story starts off in Luke two with Joseph and Mary going down to Bethlehem, the city of David. So we wanted to talk a little bit about that journey. Uh, Bethlehem is about six miles south of Jerusalem. Today, if you went to Bethlehem and Jerusalem, you wouldn't know where one city ended and the other one started. Back then, there was a little bit more of a division between those two cities, but um, a journey that would have taken from Nazareth, which is a little bit more up in the north. So if you look at your Bible maps, um, which might be a fun thing to do with families, to open up a Bible map and see right up near where the Sea of Galilee is, is where Nazareth is, where Mary and Joseph lived. And um, that's about an 80-mile journey all the way down to Bethlehem. And probably would have taken um, four days, five days. I read a commentary that said Mary was from good, you know, country stock. So she would have, you know, made the journey probably in four days. So we don't know. But um, historically, by the way, we should maybe mention Mary and Joseph were um, 14, 15, 16 years old. So um, if you have teenagers, um, you might want to bring that up. That's, that's kind of typically when people got married is a, about that age. So Bethlehem, uh, it's, a, it's a word that means the city of um, bread, the house of bread, which is kind of neat because Jesus will have that title as bread of life. So he comes from this, born in this place called city of bread. And it was called the city of David because that's where King David uh, was born and raised and also where he was anointed to become the king of Israel. The golden king of Israel was right there in Bethlehem. So that's pretty um, significant. And you remember from last week, we learned Mary and Joseph both come from the Lion of David, which is why they would have gone back there for, for the taxes, for the census, for them to be counted, which was a move by the Romans, by the way, to humiliate everybody, especially poor families. Um, Mary and Joseph would have been so poor. Um, a journey that would have taken four days. That means four days without work. Um, eight days without work, plus the time that they're there, plus the expenses of travel. It was a humiliation, especially to poor families. When you're living paycheck to paycheck, um, and eight days without yeah. work. Um, so, th- so Jesus is going to come into these really low circumstances, which we talked a lot about in the last month. Here's a, um, a reference that you, you might want. It's in the book of Micah in the Old Testament. Um, it's a dual prophecy. So Old Testament prophets um, did these, a writing style, a prophesying style, which was called dual prophecy. Isaiah does it a lot also, where they're speaking to a group um, about something specific, but they are also making a prophecy about the future at the same time. So this is during a time of a great battle. Again, it's in Micah chapter 5, and it's verse 2, and there's a great war battle happening. And Micah is giving encouragement and saying, it's actually going to be the troops in this little town of Bethlehem 
that are going to help win the war. Um, so he's giving encouragement to them, but at the same time making a prophecy about this little, unknown, insignificant town, Bethlehem, that it's going to find its place on the map one day. He says, But thou, Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. So we love that verse and talking about this little insignificant town. Though you may be little among the thousands of the troops of Judah at the time, uh, though you may just be a small dot on the map, maybe not even drawn on some maps, it's going to have a significant impact. I love thinking about that. I love the idea of maybe talking with um, our, our kids about that. Though you may be little. Yeah, and just feel like you're, you're nothing. You have nothing to offer. You have nothing to give. But that's where Jesus chooses to come forth. That's where Jesus chooses to begin his entire ministry with those of us who feel little. And you might, you're going to see that throughout his whole ministry. Mm -hmm. He's always picking people who are outcasts, who are small, who are crippled, who come from the other side of the tracks. Like he, He's always doing that and showing that great lesson that Though you may be little, um, your impact is going to be everlasting. Yep, and he's going to come for you. That's, right. that's who he chooses to come for, and that's where he starts. So that whole story that we're just coming off of in Christmas, hopefully nobody's sick of Christmas yet. <laughs> but true. Sorry, this is just where it happens. But he's just going to come to the messiest, loneliest, lowest circumstances, and he's really going to turn um, a barn into heaven. And, and that is just the beauty of what Jesus can do. Beauty from ashes. He can take just this low, insignificant circumstance. And yeah. our job is to find him there, is to find him in those places where we feel so little. I'll never forget many, many years ago um, when we were just married and we had two little boys. We were so poor. We had hardly any Christmas decorations. And um, I wanted a nativity so bad. So I took a job. I worked four afternoons and earned $25.00. And I had enough money to buy a nativity, and I picked the Precious Moments nativity because the people are so little. Does anyone remember these? Um, the people are so little, they're just little kids, and they're dressed up as if they're playing a nativity scene. And I bought it and brought it home, and I set it out all responsibly the way it's supposed to be. And Caleb was three, I brought him over to look at it, and I stood him in front of it, and I told him, we don't touch this. We just look at it with our eyes, but we don't touch it because it will break. And he nodded his head. He knew what I was talking about. Caleb was a super obedient three-year-old. I know that is rare, but true. And so I didn't even worry about it the whole rest of the day. The next morning, I woke up, and he got up first and went downstairs and turned on a show. And I finished getting ready and came down the stairs, and I looked over to where the nativity was, and everybody was in a pile, this huge pile, all these glass figurines, and my heart just dropped. I ran over, I investigated, I checked everybody, everyone was fine, they all still had their heads on. I lined them all back up, went and got Caleb, brought him up, stood him in front of it, and I said to him, we don't touch this. We just look at it with our eyes, but we don't touch it because it's fragile, everyone will break, and he nodded, he knew. And we went on the rest of the day, it was totally fine. Next morning, exact same thing happens again. Caleb goes down, turns on a show, I come down, and everybody is in this big pile on top of themselves. And this time I don't even fix the problem. I just go down and get Caleb, and I bring him up, and I stand him right in front of the nativity. And I say to him, did you touch this? 
And he nodded his head that he had, and I said to him, did you know you weren't supposed to touch it? And he nodded his head that he knew he wasn't. And so then I said to him, then why did you touch it? And he looked up at me with his big blue eyes, and I looked at his little hands. You know how three-year-old hands look, just these pudgy fingers that should never touch glass figurines ever. And he said to me, because they can't see the baby. And I looked and realized that whole pile of people, they were all just head first, right, on top of that baby. Everybody had a bird's eye view. And so I helped him set up this, and we, this is how we set this up every year in a circle where everyone could see the baby just the same, um, and they all knew where he was. And it's a reminder for me, I have other nativities in my house. I set them up responsibly the way you're supposed to with the wise men over here and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph. But this one we always set up this way as a reminder of what our focus should be going forward and um, that it should be that we're focusing on Christ. And I love when you read that poem by Howard Thurman that we love that talks about um, it was after the shepherds went home. It was after the angels returned to heaven. It was after the wise men left. It's after the star was gone. That's when the real work of Christmas began to heal the sick and to comfort the lonely and just Christ's ministry and his message, it began um, and continued, not just on the night of his birth, but for his entire life. And to remember that, even though it's not Christmas right now, but just that focus, that our focus should be on Christ and how an encounter with Jesus Christ can change us. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about that. I mean, that's just crazy, right? I love my birthday, just so everybody knows. It's like, <laughs> it's coming up, so if you- And, and it lasts a month, It everyone. really does it's go a month, and my half birthday. But my birthday has not had this kind of significance or impact to the world, like the birth of, of Jesus Christ, you know? It's just, sometimes people get up in arms about over-commercialization of, you know, Christmas, and I say, that's just a bigger celebration of his birth. Let's, Costco, put your stuff out in August, yes. because it's just a, it's a birthday party. So, so awesome. this idea of encounters with Jesus you'll find on the study sheet is, we just were looking at the Christmas story a couple of years ago and, and thought it was neat that Whenever somebody has an authentic encounter with the Lord, with Jesus, they respond in, in a significant way. Something happens to people when they've had an authentic encounter. Maybe that's an indication that you have had an authentic encounter with Him. Is you respond in, in a certain way. And so we're going to take each of the people uh, just really quickly. And the verses are on there underneath their names. So you on can see guide. on the study guide. So that you can go and read that for yourself. But maybe we'll just point you to a, a word or two about them to get you going yeah. on that. So we love when you think about Mary and um, just being that new mom. She probably counted all his fingers and his toes um, and looked at him. And we think about the, the strangers who came in and the place where um, she delivered and that star and all of these things that are happening. And I love what Luke says in Luke 2.19. And and all of these people become an eyewitness, right? That was Luke's job. Right. Luke's job is to show us the eyewitness accounts, and there's so many in here. So if you're using Rana's Bible journaling yep. pages, that those little sticker things will be in there if you want to put in of these particular eyewitnesses yes. for Luke. Um, and I love Mary's response we find in verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Her response was to ponder and Joseph, you kind of have to read between the lines a little bit and use your imagination to figure what that you know event was like as they scramble to find you know, that just one line, no room in the inn, and they go into this cave or stable and animal place. And, um, 
and, and just to think of uh, what would Joseph have done, you know, in, in a moment like that, to take care of Mary, to look after this moment, to clear away all the dung and the debris, to search for the cleanest straw that he could find, the, of all the feeding troughs, which one would be the most stable? Um, maybe as a carpenter, he tightens it up a little bit, but the idea that um, Joseph's response to encounter with Jesus was to serve. Yeah, and I love that. I love when Elder Hahn tells us, um, first Christmas, there was not toys or tinsel, there was a baby. That's how Christmas began. And just the thought of Joseph preparing for that baby is so good. Um, we love the shepherds, and both of us are the same in this regard. Um, our favorite response of the shepherds was that they ran. And the pictures that we find, and there's a Peter Breinhold song where he talks about those shepherds running to see the baby, and I just love that response yeah. from them. The imagery is so neat to yeah. think of them just booking it. Yes. You know, you yeah. don't to get there. You always just see the seed, and they're just bowing or whatever. Yes. But to think that they ran to get there is just yeah. awesome. And then the angels, um, their immediate response. You remember the angels start with just one. And almost as if the veil of heaven just bursts open with excitement and rejoicing. These um, uninvited but not unwelcome just people that just yes. burst through the veil. And, and when they had an authentic encounter with him, the angels rejoiced. They sung. They shouted. And, and that was their response. Um, I love when we think about the wise men. One of the parts that we often overlook is what happened after they saw the Lord. And you remember Herod had told them, come back and tell me where he is. And instead, they were prompted to journey another way. They, they chose to go home a different way. And I love that that's their response. And often our response to an encounter with the Lord is to journey another way. And then uh, forgotten people from the nativity story. We have a dream of creating a nativity set where we include Simeon and Anna because they come at the end of Luke 2. It's these two um, faithful people who served in the temple night and day. Anna's, what, 90 years old when you do the math yeah. of how old she is and a widow. And Simeon has been promised that he will see Jesus before he dies. Mm -hmm. And Simeon and Anna are both eyewitnesses. Mary and Joseph come into the temple with their baby to offer their offering, um, their sacrifice of turning his life over to the Lord. That's what they're doing when they go to the temple is your firstborn child was dedicated to the Lord and you offered a sacrifice in symbolism of that. They bring in two turtle doves um, because they're too poor to offer the, you know, the, the goat or sheep sacrifice. And uh, Simeon and Anna see the baby and immediately they give thanks. And that is their, that is their response after meeting the little baby Jesus is they just can't help but pour out um, yeah, and it's instant, thanks. that instant gratitude. Right, right. And their story is worth, so all of the verses um, where you can look a little, we went a little quick on that, but, and you might find something different that you see in their response after they, or a lesson from each of them. The Come Follow Me manual has a little spot, a, a little prompt where it says, you know, what are people's your responses um, um, in the Christmas story? What do we learn from each individual person? So. That's just something we really loved, and um, so we put the verses there so you can read those on your own or together or, or whatever it is that you want to do. We thought it might be fun um, not just to talk about the nativity, but to really go into detail in two of the um, parts of that story where we really learned some significant lessons. One is with the wise men, and one is with the shepherds. So if you want to turn to Matthew 2, um, I'm going to talk for a little bit about four responses we see from the wise men and what we could learn 
um, ourselves about these four responses is they have the opportunity or the invitation to come unto Christ, which is the same for all of us, right? That's the invitation that we receive um, daily. And, you know, every time we go to church, every time you open the scriptures, um, is this invitation to come and see, to come to Christ, to come and follow him. And it's true just right here in this simple story. It tells us um, that they, in verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8, of Matthew, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And so that's the first step when we have an invitation to know the Lord, to get to know the Lord better, is to go and search diligently. And what does that look like for you? How are you doing that in your life? That's the first thing to stop and consider. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for the people who you love? How could we be doing that better? And, and this isn't a question like how far would you go? How how mm -hmm. long would you be willing to travel? And and uh, here's just a little side tip if you want to use this in your in your family moments. The Bible video of the wise mm -hmm. men. It's all music. It's about five minutes long, and it just shows that them sleeping and traveling in in snow and for a year's time. Uh, to get there and it's neat to maybe play that and it's like what's it look like for me yeah. how far will I go to search diligently so that might be an idea if it's fun also to turn to the Bible dictionary here um, it tells us about these wise men and I love what it says who these men were we are not sure but it is certain they were not ordinary men it tells us that they were privileged to search out the Son of God and give him gifts and that they were spiritually sensitive and knowledgeable suggests that they were actually prophets on a divine errand. And I love that, that they, they took it as a privilege, right? Right. Um, as you're thinking about that video, to go and to search for him, even though it took so much time out of their way, but, but it was a privilege to get to know him better is the same true of us. The second thing that we um, learn is in verse 10. It tells us when they saw the star, the star they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And um, just that response of every time we learn something new about him, every time we're led closer to him, do we rejoice with exceeding great joy. Um, in verse 11, it tells us when they got to the home and they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they fell down and worshiped him. And I just love that thought of that gratitude for finding him in that moment um, and, and extending their worship, right? How do we worship the Lord? As we come to know him better, part of that worship is doing what he asks us to do and with our whole heart, um, really that falling down and just worshiping. And then we a little bit touched on the last one. It's found in verse 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way so the fourth response would be to journey another way maybe you change something maybe you give up something maybe you add something because of that opportunity you've had to come closer to him so these are some lessons that might be fun to just talk about and consider as you're going through and um, pull out some of these lessons from these verses you know as you were talking i kind of thought i never thought this before this idea of them falling down and, and worshiping. The image that came into my mind was the priests kneeling down at the at the sacrament table, mm. and just what that um, they kneel for on behalf of the congregation, and just what a neat image that is to bow to kneel down and bow before, you know, the emblems of the mm -hmm. Savior. That's and, so good. And we we get to have that experience every week. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe all four of maybe all four of those happen 
you know, in the sacrament, like that's where we can review those or think about those. And yeah, that's our, so I'm going to think about that. Um, okay, and then I'm going to talk about the lessons from the shepherds. So if you want to go to Luke chapter 2, where they are, it starts in 15, right? It says, as the angels go away, the shepherds said one to another. And can't you just picture it in your mind? Like the, the heavens, like the movie's over <laughs> and it goes dark again. And then they all just look at each other like, what in the heck? Um, but their first response is, let us now go, you know? I, I don't know what they were doing that night. That's totally unexpected. This is a detour from their plans. They and from their job, right? right. They're, they're, they're supposed to be their... watching the sheep, you know? And it's like, okay, let's go, you know? And it's just like, all right. And so um, I, that's lesson number one. It's just when we try to, you know, have this, you know, come to find Jesus like the shepherds do, we really just have to go and just and just do it. And sometimes, like, our indecisiveness keeps us from doing anything. And I love the thought they're just like, okay, we'll <laughs> fi- like, we'll figure it out. Let's just... Let's just go. We had this thing when I was in college with my roommates. Anytime we tried to go to the temple together, something would always come up. And we found this story from church history where there was this guy um, uh, who had the same problem. Like something would always come up when he wanted to go to the temple. And he was milking his cows one day and holding the, the two buckets mm-hmm. and um, had, had an impression to go to the temple. And so he um, at, dropped the buckets and he went to the temple, like spilled the milk. Um, and went to the temple. And so um, when I, we had this phrase with our roommates in college, like, hey, do you want to go do this? Or do you have time for this? No, I'm busy with my test. We'd say, drop the bucket. Um, it's time. Like, let's just go. And so that's like a, a shepherd response. That's the second cool. thing is in verse 16, um, and we talked about this with them running, but that they came with haste. So they don't just go, but they go quickly. You know, they And they I run. love the thought of that. Do you have the heart of a shepherd? When given the opportunity, right, to go to church, to go to seminary, to read your scriptures, to go to the temple, um, to do your calling, to minister, um, how often is our response to to go right now with haste? Yeah, just go and then go with, like haste means to me like enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. They're like running. They're like, okay, cool. We can't wait to see what's yeah. going to happen uh, when we get there. And then in verse 17, when they'd seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. They just go from house to house, door to door, and they tell everybody and anybody that they know um, what they experienced and, 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 what they, and what they saw. And so that's, that's that third lesson is um, you share those experiences that you have. Um, the manual talks a little bit about, about that with Mary, that there's some things that you keep in your heart, experiences that you have, but there's others that you should make known. Like it was good news. Yeah. Right? That's what the angels said. We bring you glad tidings of great joy. And I love when you think of what is the percentage of all, right? And it's a hundred. It's every time they had the opportunity to share that testimony, they did. Yeah. With all who would hear it. Which is so neat. And yeah. and uh, I just love it. Okay, the last thing we kind of want to talk about with the shepherds actually is um, there they are outside of the fields in Bethlehem. And most Bible scholars think that those Bethlehem fields, because they're so close to Jerusalem, that they were used to raise the lambs that were used in sacrifice. And if you remember from your Old Testament studies, lambs had to be firstborn males, and they had to be without blemish, so no broken bones, no like funny marks on them, weird ears or anything like that. Um, And so the shepherd's job was to watch for that and and to see like when a lamb came out, is it male? Is it a firstborn? Does it, and they would check it, you know, for its blemishes. And traditionally, when they found a lamb 
that had all of those qualifications, a lamb that was fit and worthy for sacrifice in the temple, they would set it aside and they would actually wrap it up in swaddling cloths. And they would to lay protect it, it so right. that as they were birthing the other lambs, nothing would happen to it. Right, and lay it on the manger floor aside, set aside for sacrifice. And so the, the symbolism there is just rich. Obviously mm -hmm. with the lambs that were worthy or fit for sacrifice were males firstborn and, and were perfect. And the idea of these shepherds spending that night um, wrapping up, setting these lambs aside for sacrifice in the temple and, and wrapping them in these swaddling clothes and then for the angels to go and say, you'll find this baby set aside on a manger floor wrapped in its in its swaddling cloths. Like the shepherds would have known immediately what the angel was talking about. That and, and it was it was Jesus, the Lamb of God, who was worthy for sacrifice. All of the temple sacrifices were all pointing to him. All the work the shepherds were doing were pointing to him. And we have this song that we love. Um, it might be one that you want to play and listen to the words just by yourself, or um, it's okay that Christmas is over. Um, it's by Christy Knuckles. We'll put it in the newsletter. Um, wrap this one up where she talks about that job of shepherds and then um, the birth of, of Jesus happening in that, in that same way. And the other one you may want to also listen to that night, you could, um, or during your lesson, you can start with one and end with the other, is um, Watch the Lamb. Um, which is also a Christian song that is just unbelievable. Both of them um, tell that that story about how Jesus was just like a lamb being um, being sacrificed and what we learned from those. So if that would help your study, either of those would be a really great song. And they're so good. You're going to have your hands up in praise by the time those <laughs> songs good. are done. They are good. that good. Let's point out that last tip for the kids. Or do I want to yeah. leave for the newsletter or point no, it out yeah, here? Okay. Um, and something I'm going to do with my little kids is talk about when we go through these encounters with Jesus, each of these people, I'm just going to ask the question, um, who would you, if you could have been anybody in the Christmas story, who is it that you want to be? Like, who do you most relate to? Mary in the more pondering or the angels in the shouting or the shepherds in the running or, you know, the, the wise men. I mean, who, who is it? And just kind of go around and let everybody say like, um, this is this is who I want to be. I've done that and before. This would be my response, and, right? Yeah, this, this would be is, my response. If if I ran into him, and so or not ran into him, but you know, <laughs> yes, encountered yeah. him. I this. encountered <laughs> him. Um, yeah. And so, uh, should we end by saying Merry Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Merry, Christmas, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> this audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.